0: Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Whole Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer
1: with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy
0: you're here. Hello, friends. I just wanted to hop on real quick prior to airing this episode to let you know that this is an episode that covers a wide variety of emotions and feelings around miscarriage. Kristen shares her experience with an unexpected pregnancy followed by a miscarriage and the truly real raw, potentially relatively gory details of what that miscarriage looked like. So if this in any way is going to be triggering for you, I just wanted to make sure to let you know ahead of time. I also want to be sure to acknowledge that this is Kristen's unique experience and you will hear the whole host of emotions that come with that from laughter at the seeming absurdity of the experience all the way through to emotions of anger and sadness and mourning and again, I just want to clarify and make sure that we're clear that this is her unique experience and it's not a judgment or, or expression on anyone else's experience. We're not here to compare, but to share and have the conversations that are so important in this space. So thank you, as always, for being here, for listening, for holding the space, for showing up exactly as you are. We are eternally grateful. And without further ado, here is the episode with Kristen. Hello friends, Laura here with another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I am super excited today to have one of my really great friends on the podcast to share a story that while is hard to share and talk about or listen to for many is very, very important. But before we get into that, I want to introduce Kristen. She is a certified nutritional therapy practitioner, CrossFit level two trainer, holistic lifestyle coach, certified Cicerone. Is that right? Cicerone, yeah. Cicerone, okay. Cicerone. Which has nothing to do with health. It's about, it's a beer thing. Perfect. It's all balance. Certified birthday <laughs> coach, traveler, eater, drinker, and my personal favorite, taker of no bullshit. She is the strong voice behind the newest and most fitting iteration of her blog, A Big Brash Life. It's not a health blog or nutrition site. It's not just travel or fitness guide. It's a lifestyle blog, the most millennial of all blogs. At the end of the day, here is what she believes. Health is not a struggle. Your body is not the enemy. Living a life that prioritizes health and living one you enjoy, these two things are not mutually exclusive. What she hopes you'll come there for is to find all of the things that collide and combine to form your great big life. The stuff that you gotta let go of, how health and fitness are a part of that, but not all of it. The places you should visit, the things to eat here, cooking and baking, drinks, the thoughts that are holding you back from living your biggest, brashest, most unapologetic and unbreakable life, your life, lived in the way that you want, with no room for dogma or bullshit. I love it so much. And here's the part I love most. Being brash isn't about being rude. It's about showing up big, taking up space and doing what's right for you. What makes your life full? Let's be honest. The definition that ta- that talks about brash meaning being self-assertive in a rude or overbearing way. What's the over under that it's just women who get that rude overbearing layer to their self-assertiveness. So you know what, ladies, it's time to assert yourself. Let's be brash. I love it so much. And, <laughs> and I'm oh um, you wrote it. I, I, you know, made it my voice, but I just, I love it so much. And I've <laughs> seen the shift and the change. And I just, I love everything you share. You make me laugh daily even if it's not like actually real time, if I'm just reading what you post, but you also help me to love myself more and stand up in who I am. And I love that. So thank you for that. I feel like it's funny to think about the first time we met in person was when you just kind of flew out here and stayed at our... Condo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was nearly pregnant and so yeah. sick. And we went and got burgers. And I remember just like the smell of the mm-hmm. garlic in the restaurant had me about to hurl, but you stuck it out with me anyways. And we went and saw animals at Wilder State Park, which is what Evie's middle name is after. And just such fun memories. And then we got to visit you on our van adventure out there. So it's been a while. That ride.
1: was so
0: fun. So fun. And I know I've been on your podcast before. This is your first time mm-hmm. on ours. That's surprising, actually. Yes.
1: Well, yeah. Well, what? The, what I, I already did it. I said I was going to try. I had nothing to talk about. Like that's, it would just be. I mean, I probably could have talked about how I didn't want to have kids. That could have been a the the, the ch- childless by choice conversation, right? But I feel like that's. I'm I'm glad that that's being had as much as it is. Absolutely, we
0: had yeah, Julie Bauer because I think that's about important that too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I need to listen to it because I think that, yeah, yeah, that's That's fine.
0: (laughs) And now I guess coming full circle from there, we are going to dive into kind of the other side of that. So beginning with a decision to not have children and then the journey that came from unexpected pregnancy and then miscarriage. And so I guess we can just dive in, but I would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and your story and how you got to where you are now and maybe iterate a little bit more on what you offer and, and all of that.
1: Yes. So it's always weird when I get asked that kind of question on people's podcasts because I feel like there's not, like, I'm like those people who have very distinct answers to that kind of question. I'm like, I don't know how you come up with that. <laughs> and, uh, this is clearly scripted. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. So I, I mean, the whole thing to now, I guess, is like when I was young, I played a ton of sports. We played basketball but a lot of like soccer and softball and then I did quit all that and did cheerleading in high school and the play and was the trainer for the football team so like I guess it's fair to say that from like a young age my life was a kind of macrame of a bunch of different things like I'm still friends with people from high school who are like yeah you really weren't in a group you were just kind of all around, like I was friends with the play kids and the football team and the popular girls, and it was kind of a a hodgepodge, which is kind of similar to how my life is now. Like, so that cicerone thing is it's a it's a, it's essentially like the sommelier in the beer world because my job my that I've had for ten, almost ten years now is a craft beer distributor in New Jersey, and then I also have this like blog that start I mean it started as a beer blog, but then evolved into a paleo and nutrition blog. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner my husband owns a crossfit owns two crossfit gyms and i coach at the one locally i've been doing that for like five years now so there's a lot of like intersections of seemingly juxtaposed things which i think is like where my perspective on all of the like health and wellness stuff kind of shifted at you know over the past i don't think I don't think balance is a real thing. I think what we refer to as balance is like just being okay with the fact that things ebb and flow and are different and you can be a multitude of things all at one time and not necessarily like 50, 50 of, of two different, you know, points. But I found like nutrition, uh, when I was starting in CrossFit, when my husband started his gym through the whole life challenge. And then we did a bunch of, I started to feel so much better just like choosing more paleo based foods, which then I decided I wanted to actually learn more about. So I went to the Nutritional Therapy Association back in 2000, I think 14, 13 or 14, got that certification and then started like blogging, I would say more heavily into the nutrition and like recipe stuff. But like as everything else, as you know, as as your life evolves, kind of what you want to talk about changes. So I've kind of, I don't do a ton of one-on-one coaching anymore. I found out pretty quick that that wasn't for me. I'm not the most patient person. (laughs) So if I was having conversations of like, how do I not eat McDonald's? I want to be like, well, just don't eat McDonald's, which is not the empathetic supportive answer that people need. (laughs) So like there are people who are awesome at that. And i Recommend finding those folks, but it just wasn't for me. So I shifted more into like group stuff, and then just coaching at our gym and talking a lot about. Like, I barely talk about nutrition anymore. Like, I, I don't even think I have blog post Instagram about like. This is what nutrients are in this food. No, in like it's a lot year. More
0: croissants just and macarons. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, now it's like baking things. But that's it's a really like I think I feel like it's a really true reflection of just like how how my life has changed from like so my sister and I my sister is a trainer and group fitness instructor in Boston. If anybody's listening in Boston, you should go to HealthWorks and take a class with Katie Kashuk cuz she's really really good. I've the only spin classes I've ever taken and they're super fun and she has like bomb
0: playlists. But I'm anyway, link that in show notes uh, in case anyone went to wants it for, later.
1: Uh, <laughs> she uh she went to school for science and kinesiology and when I first got in a paleo this is very timely because her and I were we were just away for my dad's birthday we were having this conversation used to get into like these big debates because she had more of a kind of standard school nutrition education where I had the very like what would be considered hippy dippy nutrition education but the nta as as you know is actually very based in like physiology and how things work and why you need these nutritions it's definitely not a like this is the diet for you kind of school but i was also very big in like paleo dogma so we used to get into all these arguments and her and i were just having a conversation about how my approach to almost everything has so evolved from like being stuck in this, like, this is the one way everything else is wrong, which I think tends, I think it happens to everybody. Like when you find a new thing that you really love and you feel like is working for you and you learn all this new information, you start just like digging your heels in on it and like wanting everyone to do it. And this is the only thing and it's black and white. But then as you learn more and like experiment more and try new things and just learn more, you kind of evolve out of that, like novice, dilemma of thinking you're an expert because now you know a little bit to realizing the answer to everything is like it depends and maybe
0: <laughs> and it's also subjective right and people so that oftentimes that's, in nutrition it, come to you and want you to write them like a very specific this is what you do to find success or happiness or whatever and we all well, know that it's far more than food
1: <laughs> yeah it's and it's even like and there's a lot of I mean and what we're gonna get into just about like family planning and stuff, there's so much it depends in uncertainty there too, which like my husband gets so mad at me when I say I don't know, but a lot of times I'm not saying it because I'm trying to avoid a question. It's because I actually don't know. Like <laughs> I right. really just don't know. It's not I a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cop out. It's just, it's just, it's okay to not know if a food is good for you or not. It's okay to not know if you want to go out with your friends tonight. Like there's a lot of I don't know. So yeah, so that's kind of how my like nutrition fitness has shifted and in, in terms of what I like put out into the world, I feel like I talk a lot more now about like being okay with whatever you do and, and like kind of just being true with what you want to do. Like I always refer I think back to like when my husband and I started dating and he would be like, "Do you want to go camping?" and I would be like, "Oh my god, yeah, I love camping." And now I'm like, "I don't." Like I <laughs> <laughs> if
0: you love camping, I love camping. Like, if you no.
1: love camping, I love camping. Can we go watch all the football? Like, it's <laughs> fine to like football. It, it, it's okay to be the stereotypical, like, girl and not like football. That's fine. Like, and just, like, kind of your initial, like, what you truly want is, like, being okay with that. So then, like, I guess, I mean, I guess that's, wor- like, a good...
0: I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how to start this because I don't know what to talk about. About myself. <laughs> What do you want to know? I'm That's an open bug. Um, there's a lot to you. I just, I kind of wanted to see, I, I wasn't even, I know you well, and I still wasn't sure what I was going to get from that question. So <laughs> I feel like I learned more and I, what I appreciate most is kind of on this tail end of saying, I don't know is not a cop out the way that you say it and bring it to the table is more of a, like a challenge in a way, instead of like, it's not an, I don't know. Like I, Quit or I give up. It's like and I don't know. And if I care, I'm going to find out what the answer is like in this season, but not holding so tight to it that become that it becomes dogmatic, which I think is very, very powerful. Yeah. And in many ways, I would say, as a segue, (laughs) probably served you Mm -hmm. in this experience that you went through of an unexpected pregnancy and then miscarriage, because if you had gone into that potentially with this like hard and fast opinion one way or the other about anything, it could have. I don't want to like try and create or say how levels of feeling or whatever, but
1: in the no, way that you've shared was, the
0: journey, yeah. it's been pretty powerful to see your take. And so maybe a part of the reason why you were able to share and process that you know, publicly, which takes a lot of vulnerability and bravery, is because of this perspective of not being so set in any one way that you haven't created any sort of stigma or dogma around expressing yourself, which is powerful. So that was kind of a mouthful, but yeah. um, do you want to start into that um, at all?
1: Yeah. So, well, I mean, I guess the spoiler alert is that I had a miscarriage about six weeks ago, which even is so funny. Again, my sister and I were just talking because this was this past week was the first time that I like felt good about going out and like, this sounds so silly, but going out drinking like in the times prior that I've had a drink between the miscarriage and now I've, it's just, I've not been into it. I've just been kind of like, eh, this is like, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then like, this was the first time that I was like having fun and not really feeling strange about it. And then she's like, well, yeah, Chris, it was only at this point, she's like, it was only like five weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that long ago. But it, I've gone through so many different, I guess, like stages within those six weeks that it feels like it was so long ago. But so kind of, I guess the context, and it actually have a blog post that I wrote three days after finding out I was pregnant, that I think I still might put out.
0: Oh wow. Um, I didn't
1: know that. I just have to, well, cause I, I didn't post it and I just started writing cause so the, the pretext here, the pro the prologue is that I have never been one of those women who, and not that I, I hate that we always have to do this. Like not that there's anything wrong. Like, can I just be the forever disclaimer? <laughs> you like, say you're not one
0: of those women. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Just because I don't want it. like yeah. that If you want it, that's great. So that's just the disclaimer for everything. Right. Like, I, cause I, and I have friends who, since I've known them for the past 15 or 20 years have been, I cannot wait to be a mother. I cannot wait to be pregnant. That was not me. I was always re- pretty unsure. And then even when I was with my, you know, boyfriend at the time, now husband, we've been together over 10 years, like. It wasn't one of those like when you meet the right guy and you have a steady job. Like, no, nah, I just it just wasn't. I love my friends' kids. <laughs> it just wasn't. I can attest to uh, that. Evie that. adores you. <laughs> <laughs> I just never felt that pull, and I know that a lot of women do feel that pull. And I didn't feel, and or rather, don't feel that my life is missing something. Not that, and and that's not to say like my life is so full that I don't need anything else. It's just like I, I never felt that thing that I think a lot of women who, or people who have kids, like, feel kind of in their gut, and that might be, that's me just going off of my experience with my friends, uh, and what they've, you know, told me about their, about their experiences, so, and I was always pretty honest, like, really honest with my husband about it, and we kind of took the approach, um, I went off birth control, like, six or seven years ago, and I kind of was always, like, I'm not really super one way or the other, like, if it happens, it happens, and, and, like, cool, that's fine, but, I'm not going to actively try if that makes sense. Like it's just kind of, we'll leave it up to like fate or whatever. And then in me, then I think, so I have a theory in that I think part of why more and more women of our age are choosing to not have kids is because I, and this, again, this is my opinion. I feel like, as you get older and you're more set in your ways in your life the idea of something totally flipping that on its head is much more challenging and much more like you're change i feel like you're changing a lot more when you when you've had you know 33 34 35 years alone to then make such a flip of having a child so like I've had 10 years with the same company, so I make a pretty decent living and I do whatever I want and I travel whenever I want and I have all this disposable income, which like is very comfortable. So the further in you get to that and the more comfortable you get in your life, at least for me, the idea of then completely shaking that up is much more daunting I don't know that's probably not the right word to use but
0: <laughs> in a way yes um, I think most people who listen to this podcast but, would agree that like that is you have a kid and everything changes and it's not necessarily for the better or the worse it, a little bit of both for sure but it, that's but what I mean it's, it's not like not I don't shame. mean in a bad way I right. just mean the, I feel like the law lo- for
1: anything the longer you do anything the harder it is to change it.
0: Mm-hmm. And in, um, in the, we so, just did a catch-up episode in person in LA. And someone asked me, like, what's one of the biggest takeaways you took from your trip in the van? And and I think that mm-hmm. that I can relate, like, a ton to what you just said because I had this dream of being in the van. And it's been amazing and magical. But in many ways, not exactly what I wanted or expected. If we had done it before, kid, it would have been different. But I had to be super in tune with what she needed and wanted all the time. Right. And it just, yeah. it's just, like, if you have these dreams and whatnot, you can still do them with kids. But it changes things. And that's just the reality of the situation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think as I, I think as I got older and again, like was making good money and was able to just like drop what I was doing and go visit you in California or go to Seattle to see Taylor or like just go somewhere for a weekend randomly. And all I need to do is make sure someone can take care of my dog. And that's like, okay, cool. Go do what you want. The more I started to have this idea of like what my life was going to be like, I'm we're just going to travel around, do what we want, have a bunch of dogs. And like, that's going to be great. So in the weeks leading up to finding I was pregnant, which during these conversations, I was 100% pregnant. I had like three or four conversations about how I was pretty like, yeah, I think I'm more leaning towards the not having kids. Like (laughs) To my friend for like 20 minutes talking about how I was pretty sure I'm now in the no kids camp. Meanwhile, I'm like three weeks pregnant at the time we're in Boston and, my, and I was like talking about how my boobs hurt really bad. Cause I was like really late with like looking back. I'm like, what a dummy. Like I was literally walking through the streets of Boston going like my tits really hurt and I'm super late on my period. This is going to suck. And I <laughs> said like that happens when you're pregnant. I'm like, Oh funny. And then like, we just keep going. So my brain had like kind of landed on like not having kids. And then Uh, Then it got to the point where I was like two weeks late Um, and it's happened before where like I'll just be randomly late and I was like, you know what? I'll just take a pregnancy test, which I've done when this has happened before just to like get that kind of off my mind. Like I know it's going to be negative, but like whatever, we'll just take it. So took it. I was at my dad's house. He was like (laughs) out somewhere and and I'm like, I was at his house for the day. Thank God he was out somewhere. Cause so I took it (laughs) positive positive full like full breakdown like i might as well have been like yeah not in the, and it which is crazy like pulling yourself out of like okay you're 33 years old you have a great job like you're married you have a house all of the check boxes that say like what a lot of people like think would be a picture perfect scenario to have a kid american dream <laughs> but Yeah, totally. Like on the floor crying for like two hours. And then just like, which is why I then three days later wrote the blog post because it was not the reaction that I think a lot of people have. (laughs) And it was, and I like Googled and found one or two other blog posts of women saying they felt this way too. And I talked to a friend of mine who said she felt a similar way. So it's another thing You're like, Oh, other people feel like this. I'm not broken. Like it's, for some people it's a, it's just their, you know, their normal reaction. So I call, I call, Bob and I was, I text him like, you need to get up here right now. You need to get my, to my dad's house. You need to drop what you're doing. And get up here. He like thought someone died. Cause was,
0: <laughs> that's like, the only context you gave him. Out. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Well then he, he called me. He's like, everything okay? I'm like, everything's fine. No one's dead. I just need you to get up here. No. So he, he came up and then we like, we went to the doctor and everything was confirmed. And I was like, uh, to be like, honestly, I was still, like I cried myself to sleep that night. I cried the next morning. I was really like, I was really, really scared. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was kind of grieving this idea of what I thought my life was going to be. I felt bad that I, cause I kind of felt like I took away from him. Like when your wife tells you that she's pregnant, her hysterically crying is probably not what most men dream of. <laughs> right. A little unnerving. Yeah. A little, um, but, I mean, he was, I don't think it was super surprising to him. Cause I've, you know, I've not, I don't think he expected me to be like, Oh my God, just because he knew how I, how I you know, felt to start as time went on. Like I was pretty honest about like, I know that I'm going to get there. Like I know I'm eventually going to be excited about this. It's just going to take me some time. Cause right now I'm just adjusting to like everything that I thought my life was going to be is now in my mind at the time gone And it's going to be this whole different thing, which is a melodramatic way to look at it. But it's how I felt in that like moment,
0: which is super valid. Like
1: started telling. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, like, obviously you can still travel when you have a kid. Like uh, Evie was on what? 15 flights by the time she was like 18 months old. Yeah. (laughs) But it's not easy. And it just, it changes things. And like
0: you have a bedtime
1: most For of sure. the time,
0: you know, like things like that, um, the yeah, typical yeah, way. yeah, restaurants, all that is so
1: hard. that's so the blog post that I have written that I think I still might put up because I still think it's worth like anytime I think that there's a big feeling that, that you feel wrong, <laughs> like there are other people who have that same feeling, and it's probably worth if you feel cool with sharing it, it's probably cool sharing it. So, anyway. We started telling some people, and like that, I I, and I kept saying, like, you know, they say not to tell people until twelve weeks, but like, if something goes wrong, it's gonna go wrong. Me not telling is not gonna stop that. Like me keeping it a secret isn't gonna make something bad not happen.
0: And why do you think? What is your main thoughts there in terms of why people don't share? Because I know there's like uh, that, like the karmic uh, piece.
1: I honestly, so at this point, I think part of it is. I think part of it is is like fear of shame mm-hmm. if things do go wrong, like that now. Oh, now I have to go tell people. Like, never mind. I think part of it. I think a big part of it is protecting other people, and I think that's a big part of also mm. what plays into not talking about having a miscarriage, like not making other people uncomfortable or sad for you, wow. and like making them feel weird. Yeah, that's spot on. Because, uh, and I definitely like, and I, I, I do think I think a lot of it isn't. I mean, again, I can only speak for me, but I, I think a lot of it is not even is like fear of shame. Like you don't want to say like, uh, as much as everyone tells you, like, it's nothing you did. It's scare. It, it sucks to have to be like, I couldn't do this thing that it feels like everyone else can do. But then there's also like, it's so much of feeling like you're like it's other people. Cause even now, like we taught, we've talked about, which I mean, we'll get in, get into later. Like, and I think about all the time, like if I were to get pregnant again, I'm like like very hesitant to tell my like close family because I wouldn't want to put them through the disappointment again. That said, I'm very happy that we told people early because if I didn't have people outside of just me and Rob and even just my like sisters and my dad who knew I was pregnant and who knew what happened, it would have been so much harder because I, in my opinion, because it, I would have had no one who was kind of removed from the situation to talk to about how I was feeling and, you know, what was going on. And it made having so many, like, friends at the gym and just, like, extended friends, like, know everything that happened was, like, freeing. Like, I was able to be just, like, very honest about everything and talk to people about stuff. Whereas if it was, if we had kept it to ourselves and nobody knew that I was pregnant and then had a miscarriage it would just be like us quietly you know being sad. Yeah. Which for me isn't helpful. So like I'm actually really I'm I'm glad that we told people on the early side. So like we started telling people and through telling people and like seeing how excited they were I definitely started to get like more and more on board with like each day. And then we were going to our first ultrasound so to like hear the heartbeat and stuff and we got there and it's one of those like part of me feels like I kind of knew from the start that it like, wasn't going to (laughs) happen. Like the day before we went, I said to my sister, I'm like, you know, I kind of feel like we're going to get there and they're going to be like, you were never pregnant. Like that test was wrong. You know, the doctor's test was wrong and the blood work was wrong. You were just never pregnant. And then when we got there and he was doing the ultrasound, like before he even said anything, I just like, like I knew the minute that the ultrasound turned on, and even when he was saying like, "Oh, I see the gestational sac and I see the fetal pole or whatever it's called," like I just it, like I'm like, okay, that something mm. something's off. You know, when you just get that like absolute gut feeling, yes, yeah. no. So, and at that point, he was like, uh, "Okay, so I'm not seeing what I would expect to see at you know ten weeks." So one of two things are happening here, either you're not as far along as you think you are. And cause I'm seeing more what I would see at like five or six weeks or it stops growing. So we're going to do some blood work and see where your levels are and then go from there. And then we left. And even then I like, I went and got the blood work, but like, I immediately knew like it just stopped growing. Like there's no chance that this is just like, Oh, it's early which like my husband was still kind of like, you know, you know, there's always a chance, like maybe it's fine. And I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's fine. So then over the course of the next week, like pretty much almost instantaneously, like all my symptoms went away. Like my boobs went back down, I was not nauseous at all. Like everything kind of just was gone. I had a little bit of spotting and like that. So that first day and like the two days that followed, probably I was like in pretty bad shape. And I think it's just like there's a lot of, because for me at least, I went from totally scared and terrified and like almost not even sure if I wanted to have a kid to like it felt to me like the day that I was getting on board and like excited to, like, oh, I'm excited to see this heartbeat was also the day that everything was like, nope, never mind. God, fuck. That, like that's a big so hard. Like, universe kicked the face. Yeah so then like a little bit of spotting Glover took forever to come back. And then about a week later I was, and again, like even it, telling the story, it feels like it, I feel like it sounds when I tell the whole thing, like really like awful, but, and like, it sucks, but back on it, like if anything had happened even a little bit differently, it would have been so much worse. Like by the time I kind of get through the whole thing and I'll explain why, but so about a week goes by. I'm at a meeting, like an hour and a half from home, and I get a call from the doctor, and he's like, "You know, yeah, your your levels have gone down, so you know, you're you, basically you lost the pregnancy, but you're you're young and you're healthy, and I'm pretty confident that you'll just be able to like let this pass at home, and, like just let nature kind of take its course." So in the interim, in that week, since I kind of knew, I had been googling. First trimester miscarriage and everything was just coming up like heavy bleeding, like a, you know, like a heavy period, but with some blood clots, blah, blah, blah. So like I stocked up on pads and was just kind of like, I guess I'll just wait to have a big period. Went back into my meeting, finished it. I leave the meeting and I'm driving home and after about 30 minutes, so just, so again, I was about an hour from home at this point. I started getting really, really bad cramps like worse than i like i had been getting kind of crampy but it was like like i was like making noise in my car which i later found out is your cervix dilating it's essentially like you're going into labor on a a smaller scale so i had to like i was texting rob i'm like i can't because of course in my brain i'm like worried about i'm supposed to coach class in an hour so i'm texting i'm like yo there's no way i can coach this class i'm like i have to I have to pull over. I'm going to crash my car. Like this is bad. I'm like, I need to lie down for a little bit and just let it pass. And then I'll get home. So I pulled over, like put my seat back, put great British baking show on my phone and was like, I'm just going to lie here for a minute. I think I laid down for maybe like three, two to three minutes. And it just felt like, you know, when you get your period, you feel that first, like,
0: gosh, Yes, it's been a while, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's I felt like oh shit moment. Like, God damn it. <laughs> like, t-
1: yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, there it is. But times like five. Jumped up out of my seat
0: because I have a brand
1: new Cadillac X T four that has tan seats or, or light gray seats. And I'm like, oh God, I can't ruin these new seats. So like jumped up, spun around through my jeans in the course of maybe five seconds. Just like completely destroyed the pad. Jeans are gone. So at this point, I'm like, and again, it's so funny how the body works. Like, I I was in such bad pain, I couldn't drive. The minute that this happened, I do not, I was not in any pain. Like, there was zero pain. It was just like, I got to figure this out now. So I luckily had a dish towel in the car because our dog had drooled on Rob's pants the week before. Thanks Colt. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to run in and grab a dish towel for him to clean it off. So I like shoved the dish towel in my pants through like into Google, like CVS or Rite Aid, found the nearest CVS and just like haul ass to the CVS. And my plan was like, okay, I'm just going to go into the bathroom. I'll grab some pads. I'm sure they have some shitty CVS leggings, clean myself up and then I'll drive home got into the bathroom and I probably looked like I was casing the joint to rob it because I was creepily walking around. So my jeans were kind of baggy. And if I like spread my legs too much when walking, it was just like blood, 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 blood. Get in the bathroom. And at this point I also had left my cell phone in my car <laughs> So I know it's like, it sounds weird to be laughing about this, but I was laughing while it was happening because it was so like,
0: I cannot believe that this is going on right now. Well, like, I will say when I was reading your blog post about with this story, I went back and forth between like cracking up and crying throughout the course well, of the, the, I mean, there's so many emotions wrapped up in this stuff.
1: There, it's so like, it is so ridiculous. So I'm in the CBS bathroom. In my, I think like 20 minutes went by. Someone knocked on the door at one point and I was like, someone's in here. But it was just like, I could not believe how much blood was coming out of me. It was like, it was unbelievable. It was nothing like a period that is complete bullshit. If anyone ever had a period like that regularly, they would never go to work that that week that they were having their periods. I was like, jeans were destroyed. I had to throw my underwear out because it was just soaked. I got, I had like, duper pads into the bathroom with me i put them on but like every time i stood up it would just be like more would just come out it i mean it was like it it seemed like pints like a a pint glass just full of blood and like clots the size of like kiwis were falling out of me at one point so this is when i'm like i live here now like i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna be in the cvs bathroom for like three days i guess and that's just what's gonna happen because don't have my cell phone. Jesus. Can't
0: do anything. Just going to have to sit here. <laughs> I'm like, let, let this happen and see what happens. Until you start realizing um, how much blood you're actually losing. <laughs> Holy I honestly, even that wasn't
1: even, again, this is where like uh, adrenaline problem solving yeah. brain goes so far past. Like I was not scared. Mm. I, I, had, there, I wasn't scared at all. I wasn't in pain. I was just like, I don't know what I'm, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Because cause now it's like, I need to either buy diapers to put on so I can drive home. Because again, my I'm just thinking, how am I going to drive home and not ruin my car? That's what I'm thinking <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like, I, I don't want just... to destroy those seats. How do I get home? Oh, man. This goes, and then I go back out to try to get more things, come back in. I think I get myself to the point where like... I was like using their toilet scrubber to get like toilet paper and stuff out of the toilet because everything was so full that I started clogging it. There's like blood on the walls because I like threw my jeans across the room into the toilet. I slipped on blood on the floor. And this is when I started laughing because it's like I'm trying to clean the bathroom, I'm falling down. There's like blood everywhere. It looked like a homicide. Like, this is the most ridiculous experience I've ever been in walk out to my car and then like it became very clear when I went to sit down I'm like I can I'm not driving home like there's no <laughs> there's no way I'm driving home so I went back in walked up to the manager like grabbed my cell phone grabbed my wallet went to the manager and just told her I'm having a miscarriage can you can you call an ambulance please she calls an ambulance she's like do you want to sit down up here I'm like no no I'll be in your bathroom you can just send them on back when they get here
0: it's my new um, home actually <laughs> yeah
1: I you can forward my mail and even so then I get back there and I look, And at that point I had leggings that I had bought from him on I looked down I got in the bathroom I had bled like all the way through the leggings and it was like on my foot it was just like there was so much blood and AM, aunties come you know we go and the 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 man it was a man and a woman and the guy was like I'm like and I had said like I know a lot of women just do this at home but like I lived so far, I, I didn't think I could drive. And he's like, no, you definitely did the right thing. Like, absolutely, you should have called. Which one of the things that I wrote in the blog post was like, I've never been so aware of the privilege of having good health insurance mm. like that I didn't have to worry about calling an ambulance. And I just knew that I could and I wasn't going to get a $10,000 bill now in a month or whatever. So I was very aware of that during that ambulance, right? Because I've never been in one before. But anyway, so we get to... So that's like the first part where I'm like, Oh my God, how much worse could that have been? Cause it was only 30 minutes after leaving this meeting. Right. So like we had gone a little bit longer. If we had started a little bit later, it would have happened while I was in this meeting, right. which would have been fine. Like I've known everyone that I was in the meeting with for, you know, seven or eight years. My boss was aware that I was, that I had, you know, had lo- probably lost the pregnancy. So he, it would have been fine, but. I mean, for me, me, I would prefer to do that in a CVS bathroom and not in the middle of a restaurant. Right. By choice. So we get to the hospital and then within, and it was just like the
0: feeling,
1: because I had to like bear down mm-hmm. to get, because
0: that would get so, so, so crampy. I was, was going to ask. So be- at this point you're feeling more of the pain because it, maybe the adrenaline or the problem solving brain had to work. Starting less. to wear off. Weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're kind of calming down now. And like, so I would get really
1: bad cramps and then I would have to bear down and like all of these like clots and blood would just come out and I could feel that it was big. Like I could feel that there were big pieces of like clots and tissue. So we get to the hospital. They wheel me in probably within, I'm going to say within five minutes, I started to get super, I'm sitting in the room. I'm starting to get super, super crampy. And I'm like, "Ah, this is, this is like a bad one. And then a nurse walks in and I kind of like pushed and a bunch came out it was like like it felt like a like a soup bowl full of just stuff and i looked at her i'm like i'm really lightheaded yeah i think i'm gonna pass out and i wait i open my eyes two seconds later and i'm like flat on my back there are eight people in the room all like putting stuff on me and stuff in my arms and she's like hey her name was Britt. She's like, hey, you were right. Welcome back. We're just going to leave you on your back for a little while. So Rob got there. I kept like a lot of all the bleeding and they kept me flat on my back. And then about five hours later, they like my vitals were stable. So they're like, all right, if they hold because we had they had given us the option of the DNC where they like take everything out. I really wanted to avoid it. So I was kind of like, no, I really just want to like let this happen by itself. I, I don't know why I was so opposed to it, because it's a perfectly safe procedure. So they're like, all right, we're going to get you ready to go. They sat me up again, and I passed out again. So they came in and did more work. So this is where like we had such an experience of like great healthcare providers and like fear tactic healthcare providers all through this like experience. Cause like the EMTs were great. The nurses at the hospital were amazing. Like she's like, ask every question that you want to ask. I like, I know that this, and she's like, I know that this sucks right now, but like, you're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. Like don't do anything you don't want to do. You know, she was making jokes and like making me feel super comfortable And then this other doctor comes in and he's like, you need the DNC or we're going to be in an emergency transfusion situation. And I'm like, so I like to understand why things work. So we kept asking him like, how is vacuuming out whatever is in my uterus going to stop me from bleeding? Because at this point, like your hemoglobin level is supposed to be between like 11 and 13. And mine was, I mean, or 12 and 13 or something. And mine was at like 10 at this point, which is fine. Like it's not even, and for pregnant women, it's not crazy. I'm like, I don't understand how that helps. Like, well, you're losing too much blood. So if we don't do the DNC, you're going to go home and then you're going to end up at another hospital in the emergency room needing a transfusion. And like, I didn't respond well to that. Rob really didn't respond well to that. Like it almost made us dig our heels in more on not doing it. And then OB came in, and she was awesome and very understanding of, like,
0: someone wanting to understand It's a, why we're in the situation that we're in. And she was like, look. It's a basic human right to be able to ask those questions and get answers from your healthcare yeah.
1: providers. Yeah, and, and not be just scared. Yeah. Like, no, do what I say. God. So what ended up being the reason, which, like, made us much so much more comfortable was, like, so when you're pregnant, your body sends your whole blood volume through your uterus like seven times an hour or something crazy. That's Don't quote me on that statistic, but it's a lot. My HCG, the day I found out I was pregnant, was 25,000. The day I miscarried, it was still 15,000. So it was still pretty high for being in an active miscarriage. And the, pre- and the pregnancy had, you know, stopped growing weeks ago. So the OB was like, you're, you're doing this so slowly. Like your body is really slow to react to the fact that you had a miscarriage and that this is no longer a viable pregnancy. Like, so your hormones in your body are telling your body that you're still pregnant. Therefore, you're continuing to send blood to your youth. And then because you've miscarried and you're no longer pregnant, you keep losing that blood. So that's why your blood volume keeps dropping. And until we get like every remnant of possible tissue that's in there out and give you, I forget what hormone it is that they give you this hormone that then like stops your uterus from contracting, which you're probably going to keep bleeding and you're going to keep sending blood. And that's why, you know, we need to do this to stop that happening, which made so much more sense to me. Like just explain it to me and then I'll make the decision. Which ended up being the complete right decision because by the time I went in to have the procedure done, my hemoglobin was at eight, which is like they look to do transfusions I think at like seven. So we probably would have been in a bad situation had I left. But like, so that's another thing where I say like I'm happy that it happened the way it did because I was like so scared to get the DNC and I was, you know, it's not great to be in a CVS bathroom having this happen by yourself, but had I been home and not had a meeting that day, 100% I would have tried to just tough it out at home. Like there's no chance I would have ended up in a hospital when I did. Cause I probably was in my bathroom on a tile floor. Rob maybe would have been in and out. Like, I don't know if I, what that would have been like, I, you know, I could have been in a much worse situation if I was home because I would, have, we would both of, we would have just been like, it's fine. I, you know, I Googled it and everything says, you can just do this at home. It will be okay. And like, and no one talks about how brutal it is. Yeah. No, it was awful. It it was, it was a lot, it was way more blood than I was expecting. But then on the, on the other side of it, like, uh, I didn't really have any pain after I'm glad that we ended up doing the procedure because then it was pretty much like done. And I wasn't then waiting for this like shoe to drop. So even though it was, like, not great, <laughs> the way that it happened, I kind of feel like, was the way it needed to, if that, you know, made, like, I, I still, I'm like, I can't believe, like, I almost didn't go to that meeting that day, and I would have just been at home and probably, like, smacked my head on the tub television. Jesus, shit. yeah. And then, like, so now, yeah, so that's, I guess, the... The story of that of, of the actual events, and I know that was long.
0: Well I really just um, want to thank you for sharing it because I know we talked about it like when we were texting right around when it happened and, and mm-hmm. the topic of you coming on and it's not an easy story to share but I know that it's such an important one because especially like taking us through like, for lack of a better word, the, the gory details, like that's a lot of blood. That's very real. That's very yeah. raw. And that's the story that most people don't share. They share that like, uh, even if they share, there's a miscarriage. We don't often or ever, I've never heard a full start to finish. Like here it is fresh, raw, as real as it gets. And so yeah. I think you're doing such a service and by feel sharing like that. I we do
1: that now with pregnancy, like we're, mm-hmm. we're okay, which I'm, I'm happy about. We're okay with like, tell me all the gory details of like labor and birth and like you poop on the table and you rip from your badge to your butt. Like, we're okay with all of those. Right. But for some reason, like, and I don't know, I, I don't, I think it's because it has a sadder ending. Mm-hmm. We don't want to tell the like, the gore of, of having a miscarriage. It's
0: like, I'm still holding on real tight to your point on for, for other people's sake. So I think guilt is a thing or feeling like we are less than like our body's not capable, but then there's also the piece that I've never really connected as, as strong as I have in the past couple of months with some of these recordings that I've gotten to do in it really coming to light for me that we save some of these details for other people's sake.
1: It's totally. And it's like, I I think that I recognize that just because of, so my, my mom died 12 years ago, 19, yeah, 12 years ago. So I have, I, I am not triggered on mother's day. I have no, like it's fine. But every mother's day, when someone asks me like, Oh, what are your plans for mother's day? I hate that question. Not because it makes me sad because I know that you're about to
0: feel uncomfortable.
1: Like it has nothing to do with how I feel. I feel totally fine.
0: And Unless like, it's just like it's your not- discomfort and their discomfort. It's just like back and forth. We, no one wants to be uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like I sometimes lie. Right. Just because I don't want to make you feel weird when you're not even someone that like, I'm going to see like, yeah, I know, I'm going to m- dinner. Like, I don't know. Just because. And not that that's the right thing to do, but sometimes I'm just like, I don't feel like I don't feel like comforting you <laughs> because you're uncomfortable. And sad for me when I'm not even sad for me. Right. Like it's fine. So I think having like that experience as many times just made me very aware like, oh, this is Mm -hmm. why we're hesitant to tell people about this because it makes other people feel weird. But at the same token, I think when you go through something, I think you also have to give other people grace to say the wrong thing. Like, I don't think it's fair to hold people to a standard of saying the perfect thing because they're not going to know what, what it is. Like mm-hmm. there is no perfect thing to say. Like, yeah, that sucks That to me at least is like, just say it sucks. That's really all you need to say. But I think people try to relate and they try to empathize and they try to say something that they, that they think is going to be comforting. And if it's not the right thing, like I think, I personally think like, I have to be okay with you not saying the right thing. If you're trying
0: That's a good point, (laughs) give each other a little bit of grace.
1: Yeah. Just cause then it's like, no one ever wants to say anything because then if they say the wrong thing, they're like also like, Oh, I don't want to say anything again because I said something wrong. And you know, people don't know what to say in a
0: lot of situations. And then I think saying something is better than nothing at all. Or like all of a sudden you're isolated and no one's talking to you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And again, like that's another thing that I've definitely felt is like I'm, and I wrote it in the blog post, like just, and again, again, the disclaimer that this is just me, but I felt way more comfortable when seeing someone for the first time who I knew knew what happened. Mm-hmm. If they just said, Hey, I heard what happened, that really sucks. Are you okay? Or how are you doing? Then being around people who I knew knew and said nothing and acted like nothing happened. Which I understand why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I totally get that they just they don't know if I want to talk about it. They don't know if they can acknowledge it. Like I get where that comes from and I'm not penalizing, you know, or saying that they're wrong. I just know like I felt more uncomfortable in those interactions and when people were like it was almost like a relief when someone would just be like, Hey I heard what happened, you know, that really sucks. How are you doing? or if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine too. Like, and this is that, one more reason I'm grateful well, that you're
0: coming on and tell your story, not only for shedding light on the reality of it, but then also for helping people to know kind of, cause I, you're not alone in that. I've heard that multiple times of like, it's just, just acknowledge me and the fact that this happened and that I'm in this shitty situation versus pretending like it didn't happen. Cause that's more self-preservation than actually showing up for someone you care about.
1: Yeah. And like some people won't want to talk about it. And just right. to say like, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. You know, and then they'll say, I don't want to talk about it. Or if they want to talk about it, we will talk about it. Yeah. Opening but that door. Weird, at least. Like, when you know someone's looking at you and thinking about what you went through, but they're not saying anything about it, it makes you feel more isolated than
0: if they just say something. Yeah. Hello, Modern Mamas family. This is Laura here popping on real quick to express some gratitude and excitement about our brand new sponsor, Super Fat. Superfat makes amazing little nut butter pockets. They come in macadamia and almond, MCT and probiotic, cacao, coconut, protein, and my favorite, nitro coffee and MCT. They're the perfect fuel on the go for those busy days when life is pretty nonstop, but you still want to nourish your body and mind deeply. I have these in my bag at all times and have one pretty much every morning between my boosted coffee and when I'm finally able to sit down, breathe, and have a meal. They are... Sustaining, they are nutrient dense, and man, are they delicious. You can get 15% off any super fat order with code Modern Mamas. Thanks so much to Super Fat for supporting the podcast, and thanks to you guys for being here. So, segueing from there, then, how was the post miscarriage experience for you? Um, There's a lot there, I'm sure. It was,
1: it was, I mean, yeah, it was frustrating. So, again, like the fact that we found out like a week before it actually happened. Or that I got like so we found out something was probably wrong, and then a week later, when when I had the miscarriage, an hour before I had gotten the phone call confirming it, we kind of, or at least like we had that week to kind of grieve already. Mm -hmm. So like I was not like I was in bed, like I would like look in the mirror and see like my my boobs get small, had gotten so much smaller, and like start crying. Like I, I had those kind of those days already, so that I wasn't also dealing with as much of the emotional side of it when the physical stuff was happening. Right. Because that would have been, or if I didn't know we hadn't had that ultrasound that week, if I had done it the week after and I was just at a meeting thinking I was pregnant and then left and this happened, like it that's just another part where I'm like, wow, this could have been so much worse. So I had so I had kind of that to deal with and and there was this kind of combination of like having the confirmation was sort of because having that like glimmer of hope that maybe it's not was worse. Like having that 1% that maybe it's just early was like, can we just, cause we couldn't move on, but we couldn't feel relief either. It was just like, we were stuck in this limbo. So then after it was more like for me, it was like, I'm like obviously emotional, but like on the physical side of things, which I guess is easier to describe. I had lost a lot of blood and your plasma, like your blood volume, uh, regenerates pretty quickly, but your red blood cells, which is what brings oxygen to your muscles and throughout your body take a lot longer. So I was getting very lightheaded. Like when I stood up, I was getting really winded from like nominal activity, like walking upstairs. And I didn't, I mean, cause I, I they gave me like oxy for pain, but I didn't really have any, I, I felt pretty fine ate a ton of like meat and stuff. And this was like pounding iron supplements. And I worked out the first time about a week after I felt good enough to like move, move some weight around. And we did, uh, and it was, it was just like a sucking wind fest. Like I had to break every couple reps and like catch my breath. And I definitely wasn't pushing any level of intensity at all. Like if I started to feel when did I just stopped and like let my wind come back coaching classes, even just like talking while demoing. I was like, you guys are going to have to cut me some slack. Like I lost a lot of blood the other day and I can't breathe. So, and that took probably, I'm going to say a week and a half, two weeks ago is when I started feeling. So about a month, a month after is when I started kind of feeling more myself in the gym, which that was, it sounds so vain and superficial, but that was really hard. Like we did DT. And again, I wasn't, I was scaling everything way back. I was not like trying to get a PR or even move the weight that was written. Like I pulled it way back, I think by like 20 or 30 pounds. And my previous time for that workout was like 12 minutes or something like that, like two years ago or three years ago. And with 30 less pounds, I wasn't able to like, I think it took me almost 17 minutes, which in and of itself, like whatever, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But every rep felt so heavy mm-hmm. and so like belabored and my heart was just like pounding. And no matter how long breaks I took, like it, I, I just couldn't feel like my body felt like somebody else's
0: mm-hmm. and which is probably and my, I mean, this is just take it or leave it or correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it's like almost every rep is a reminder of the shit you just went through in a way.
1: That's, that's exactly it. So like when I was pregnant and I was feeling tired during workout, I really didn't care. I was like, yeah, you're, you're fucking making a, a human. Like you're tired. It doesn't matter. Just be tired and like, stop. So I felt like no pressure on myself when I was pregnant to like perform at all. But then when it was hard after, so this DT workout, I ended up like, I went into the bathroom and cried for probably like five minutes. And my friend was like, "You having a breakdown?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine." She's like,
0: "Okay," because
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was, your people, it was every- you. huh?
0: so your people get you, huh? It's like your people get you. They like it's acknowledging yeah, yeah. that it happened and then allowing you to process it without like you know. It's it's interesting to see how everyone yeah. deals with these things differently. Was-
1: oh, totally. I wasn't like. I wasn't crying or sad because I didn't like do, do good in the workout. It was, it was like every rep was a shitty thing happened to you. A shitty thing happened to you. A shitty thing happened to you.
0: And you you can't just move past it. You can't just move past it. It's like, it's, it's going to be lasting. And it's gonna, and it's going to feel like this for a while. Like it's going to feel crappy for a while. And
1: there's not this like, and there's not the, the like finish line. Like there isn't a pregnancy where it's like, you get through it, you you have a kid and Mm -hmm. then you like move on. It was just like, this is kind of open-ended and it's not really for anything. Is what it feels like. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's been like physically I'm feeling better. I'm still kind of feeling like, so this is the other thing I feel like is important to say is this is not a, like how to recover from a miscarriage guide because
0: (laughs) I'm still figuring all of this stuff out. And just like um, full circle back to the food stuff, stuff, there is no one size yeah. meets all how to recover from miscarriage either.
1: No. no, I know for me, like I slept a lot. Like I like didn't do much for probably the first like week. I ate a lot of food. I doubled up on iron supplements and I'm not really a supplement person, but you know, like whatever. And I do feel like that helps, you know, when I was, when I did start going back to the gym, I definitely, um. Because there's also, like, it's not, for me, it's not about, I, I needed to get back into the gym and move <laughs>
0: like I. It's kind of re, reclaiming very, yeah, some, the, some part of your identity and normalcy in your life, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it is, it's like a weird, it, it was a very weird thing of, like, you you have in your head, like, this whole, again, kind of similar to, like, prior to being pregnant, I had in my head of what this, my life was going to be. Then I found out I was pregnant. So then you kind of change that and you shift it. What your new life is going to be. And then that's taken away essentially. And now it's like, nope, never mind. That original thing you thought is like back on the table. But now it's like, but that wasn't by choice. Now you're kind of defaulting back to what it was. So it's this very like weird trying to kind of find your way again a little bit, even though nothing's changed. It's like everything's changed, but nothing's changed. Like your life is exactly what it was before all of this. So it's kind of, A weird like tightrope of getting back to that. So yeah, so like now it's like six six weeks out. Physically, I'm feeling a lot better. Like because I had also been sort of taking it easy at the gym because I was in my first trimester. And then I was, then we went to that ultrasound and I was like, oh, if I'm on the cusp of a miscarriage, I don't want to push it too far. So like took time off there. And then after the miscarriage, took a bunch of time off. So it was like, I had a good month to five weeks that I was like pretty much out of the gym. Plus the physical trauma of the actual miscarriage itself and the blood loss. So like now I was just saying last night, like I look at videos of myself just from like June, July, like doing box jumps. And I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. Hmm. Like that's because I don't feel physical in that way right now. I don't feel athletic in that way right now. Like every movement feels kind of odd. I'm more tired than I would be. I'm still getting fatigue, like muscle fatigue earlier than I would. So that's also just like a kind of mental, like letting that be okay. And just like, it'll get better. You just got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like starting again with training. Like you have, you're a beginner now and Mm -hmm. it's just going to take a little bit of time
0: to get back to that. Right. Well, I think it'd be interesting to have you back on in like a few months or six months or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'd love to record. My goal is to record an in-person podcast with you and kind of reflect back now having had more time. Because I think that's a good story for people to hear too. Like you don't, you're never going to be the per- exact same person you were before no. an experience like this, but you can reclaim your life and, and, uh, yeah. you know, find and, yourself and
1: time time is so it's, it's, it's interesting because grief is the same. I, I think it's just different. It just applies differently. Like I felt very, I remember after my mom died, having the first time that you're like going out and having fun and like, you start to feel yourself getting back to normal And there's a little bit of guilt that goes Mm -hmm. along with that. Like, should I be having a good time right now? Shouldn't I be thinking about, you know, this thing that happened and is it okay to like, like, is it okay to be happy and, and, you know, goof off and like go out drinking when, you know, this happened. And I think that sometimes people are a little unforgiving with themselves in that. And like that after something, it is okay to like be okay. Yeah. Um, You don't have to grieve forever. You don't have to, be sad forever I mean I think that there are always if you do feel whatever you feel that's you're entitled to feel whatever it is but if you find yourself moving on that's also all right Mm -hmm. and it and and like even a little bit of time makes such a big difference like in the first two weeks after I was very like we got to get pregnant right away like I have to get pregnant immediately like when is the soonest I can get pregnant but now being a little further out that was. All just trying to undo it, like
0: yeah, quick fix, quote unquote. I mean, quick, fix. not yeah, as
1: very quick, now, but yeah, because I have like really close friends who were also pregnant, so it was going to be this whole like, like four of us all pregnant at the same time. So that was just me trying to like, my brain wanted to undo it, and now that I'm out, I'm kind of like, okay, I don't know if that's really. And this is where the to the beginning of the conversation. Cause my husband did ask me and a few people have asked me like, okay, so now that you were so sad about this, that must mean that you want, that you do want kids. You just didn't know it. I'm like, <laughs> like I got a card, I was like we're looking forward to, you know, celebrating again soon. What? The expansion of your family. I mean, and again, I understand it's coming from a good place cause whatever, but the assumption of like, well, because you were sad, that must mean that you want kids. And I'm like, that's where I was like, I don't know. And it's not copping out. It's just, I actually don't know. I really don't know how I feel. I know that I was sad and I am sad about this loss. And I know that I'm sad about this pregnancy, but that doesn't mean that I'm now baby fever. right? Like those two things are, and maybe for some people that is what that would mean. Like it, it, it does
0: snap you into like, oh, I actually do want kids.
1: I don't feel that right
0: right now. And you had come to a place Um, where you, you were on board and excited about that kid or that, that timing, that, that situation, but everything is its own unique situation.
1: Yeah. And I think that's even part of it too. I think I was definitely a little bit also grieving like this situation that I thought we were going to meet. Like one of my friends from high school was four months ahead of me. A girl at the gym was literally a week ahead of me. So, and they, and they both live within five minutes. So it was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. We're going to all have kids the same age. Me and the girl at the gym are going through this together at the same time. Like, my friend is going to be a little bit ahead of me. Like, so she'll be able, like, they, we can have all these playdates and they'll probably be in the same school. And Like, this is so cool. So part of it is also that, like, another pregnancy in the future wouldn't be what I had been looking at. So that's a whole other, like, level that's just trying to kind of get your your brain with and I mean there's a reason that like people the saying is you don't regret the things you do you regret the things you do not do because what if is like the most painful thought that humans can have I think like imagining what if this was different because you can never know yeah if you made one choice different you never know what what that could be so I think I think that's just mentally what's what's tough to reconcile right
0: which is also fine like it's fine to feel that and to sit it's in that fine to feel that and to not always feel that and always sit in that but to it's also okay to like come and go back and forth and mm-hmm. it's so it's not none of this stuff is linear
1: yeah for sure and i'm sure like i'm sure stuff's gonna come up that's gonna be weird mm-hmm. like right now i i like mentally and emotionally feel totally fine that could change or it could not it like something that i that i also found really interesting when i decided to share that the full post was i got so many first of all not a single person messaged me saying like you should be thankful you didn't have it as bad as i did not a one i got messages from women who had experienced stillbirth who had to terminate in their third trimester because of medical problems who had multiple losses who had lost a child like a plethora of degrees and they every single one was just like it really sucks I'm sorry it happened like just all support there wasn't a single like well I was worse none of it like everybody no matter what they had gone through was just supportive which I thought was very interesting because I think we, we tend to how can you be sad when I have it worse mm-hmm. with people you know yeah that compare game um but another thing that kind of came through that was I got messages from people who were like you know I who were saying that they had also had a miscarriage and you know you might not be sad for that long she's like I'm you know mine was a few weeks ago and I I'm not sad anymore like and that's also okay and some who were who were you know it was a year ago and I still grieve. Uh, and that's okay too. So like all these degrees of recovery take, it takes or emotionally, however long that is and like everyone just kind of on this page of like, it's all.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And that's one of the beauties of this community, uh, is that like we're in this together and everyone's story is, is valid and worth hearing and sharing and if we can just quit the compare game, I think this is like a testament yeah. to all the other areas of life. We should just, we can hopefully stop comparing ourselves to other people and just yeah. stay in our lane, but also be there for each other alongside to support. For sure.
1: Um, I do. I, and I'm definitely like, I'm glad that I posted cause I got, so it felt to me like once I wrote it, first of all, I felt like I almost felt like I was like going into a, like, I, I was scared I was getting postpartum because that can happen in, with miscarriage. But as soon as I wrote everything out and posted it, it like a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulders. And I felt like this will this will be a fine way to pin it. The amount of comments and messages I got, it's clear to me. And then I had three members of my uh, extended family and multiple people that I'm close. To my idea tell me that they also had miscarriages and it feels like it's something that people are screaming to talk about and dying to talk about, but aren't. So I'm hoping that like the more that we talk about it and the more that we talk about it in a normal way, the less like I had someone from the gym who's trying to get pregnant but has P- PCOS and is scared. What if I have a miscarriage? She's like seeing someone like you who I know is healthy and I know who did all the right things and you're a good person and this happened to you too makes me not feel like I'm mm. it, it, it's okay if it happens to me. So like, I feel like the more it's just normal, Mm -hmm. the more, the less pressure there is, like the more we can kind of connect on it. And that's kind of what I'm
0: aiming to do. Awesome. And and we're somewhere in between, like, I will definitely have to put a trigger warning on this episode and whatnot, but at the same time, no, a hundred percent. That it is so important to share, and if you're in a room with a group of women, you can be damn sure that probably more than one in that room has had a miscarriage because it is it's common, and we all go through it, and if we can destigmatize it and talk about it more and realize that like that to your point, it happens to everyone you, no matter you can't be perfectly paleo or train the right amount and, and it makes you somehow not prone or make it so that you are immune immune that's the word to having a miscarriage it's not it's not uh, doesn't mean our bodies are broken it's a part of this process and it's a really really shitty part but it is a part of it and so talking about it I think can just make that if not easier at least normalized and and to let people know they're not alone yeah Powerful. Well, thank you. I'm so grateful. (laughs) I feel like you and I could talk for probably three hours straight. So I would love to have you back on. For sure. 100. 100 And then we're probably going to have to just FaceTime once work settles down so that Evie can see you and we can chat longer and more. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Thanks for
1: having me, man. On Instagram is where I'm most active, and it's still the girl with the butter. It will change within the next few months. And then the blog is bigbrashlife.com. And that's pretty much my two main situations
0: I will link to all of that in the show notes and we'll share this one and you can you'll find her tagged in this the instagram post for this and go follow along with everything kristen's sharing online because it is profound and necessary and also entertaining so I had to oh, recommend girl, it. <laughs> oh girl you clap oh girl all right well thank you friend we will talk soon i am so grateful and thank you all for listening and being here and holding the space we will chat next week
1: Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.